Welcome in to It's Always Sunny in Chiefs Kingdom, a podcast about the number two seed. Super wildcard weekend, winning soon, Kansas City Chiefs. I'm Austin. You can find me on Twitter at RealBirdLawyer. Here with me as always, my co-host, my best friend, Taylor, Taylor underscore wit. What's going on, buddy? It is that time of the year. So we've done this now for almost two years, and... You know, some weeks are more exciting than others around the pot. Sometimes it's just a little ho-hum. Maybe it's the off-season. Maybe there wasn't much Maybe going you, on. Maybe you're just playing the Steelers in the regular season and you <laughs> beat them 36-10. to 10 And there's exactly. to talk about, you know. Exactly. And sometimes it's the best time of the year possible, and that is right now. We're brought to you, as always, by Sports Illustrated's Arrowhead Report, which you can find at si.com slash NFL slash Chiefs and on Twitter at Arrowhead Report and by the Pigskin Podcast Network at Pigskin Podnet. As always, you can get your official Always Sunny and Chiefs Kingdom merchandise through our friends at DadBodT, DadBodT.com, or on Twitter at DadBodT. While we're in this section, let's plug our Discord one more time. We haven't done that in a little bit. Uh, We have a really great group of people that come on to Discord with us and bullshit every day about the chiefs and just it's very casual and fun and we've got you know 70 or so people in there now so if you want to come talk about the chiefs shoot me a dm on twitter once again at taylor underwit and i will kill yeah don't dm me on twitter because i, he won't I answer. check my dms infrequently and you know it, it gives me anxiety and that kind of thing so don't do that dm taylor he answers all dms direct all business inquiries to him he takes care of that side of the podcast i take care of the hosting duties and i host it and it's wall-to-wall details <laughs> and we have two episodes for you this week two this, episodes this is part one of two episodes that we're going to talk about part one is going to be our regular news segment we're going to talk about what is happening because on sunday what is happening uh so we're going to talk about that and then we are going to preview the playoffs not just the chiefs but all of the games but we're going to do it obviously like we do with everything on this podcast it's always sending in chiefs kingdom with uh with an eye towards our kansas city chiefs and how these playoff matchups affect us and how they might affect us down the road part two is going to be our recap show we're going to recap the chiefs win over the broncos to set up their number two seed going into wild card weekend we are going to preview the Chiefs wild card weekend matchup against the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday night football. And we are going to bring those to you back to back, but this is part one. Oh, and before we keep going, we have a great announcement to make. We always try and have, we've had very fun guests on the show in the past. It's usually one of the highlights when we can get somebody fun to talk. And the other day I reached out to someone that I have been reading their sports stuff for a very long time. You've probably heard him on 810. You've probably read him on the ringer. Uh, he is none other than Rainy Jazerly, and he will be joining us next week to talk about the next matchup after the Chiefs beat the Steelers. We are extremely excited to have Rainy on the show. It's going to be awesome. Let's get into the So let's start with the injury report. This is a little bit weird because we're putting the preview in part two, but it's fine. Let's talk about the injury report. There's no injuries. Clyde and Daryl are questionable. That's Clyde Edwards-Lair and Daryl Williams. Both running backs are questionable. They're a little bit up in the air. I said everybody was healthy. They're kind of a little bit iffy. Everybody else practiced. Tyreek Hill obviously dealing with a heel injury that propped up before the game in Denver. But thankfully, Taylor, considering what that field looked like in Denver on Saturday, oh. this is a... This is a great place to be. Boy, that made the Washington field look good. I mean, that was the <laughs> worst field I've ever seen. It was, and I, I tweeted during the game, I, wondered, I didn't know if that was intentional to kind of either slow the Chiefs down or get them hurt before the playoffs or whatever, but it was bullshit. I hated it. No, it was terrible. And obviously the uh, the Broncos have cleaned house. They fired Vic Fangio. They probably fired everyone else in the building. It could be that, you know, I mean, maybe that guy got his pink slip. Maybe that was the Antonio Brown of the field, nice. group, right? They were just nice. going out with like, yeah, okay, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. I'm not, I'm not getting <laughs> so the field, the field ready for the game. Yeah. See ya. Peace. Yeah. Speaking of the Broncos, we've got the coaching carousel going. Dee, 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 dee. That was carousel noise, but it was the sunny theme. You like that? I did. Okay. So the Chicago Bears, the Denver Broncos, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Las Vegas Raiders, the Minnesota Vikings, the Miami Dolphins, surprisingly, and finally, the New York Giants, as of yesterday, are all looking for new head coaches. 
Those teams all fired their head coaches or their head coaches resigned in disgrace after a racist email scandal. <laughs> Looking at you, Raiders. <laughs> so these teams are all hiring for new head coaches. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago when the Jaguars started announcing their head coaching hires. They were allowed to start you know, doing interviews two weeks ago because they fired Urban Meyer in the season. The Raiders were also allowed to start early uh, because John Gruden, again, resigned in disgrace, racist email scandal, etc., uh, but the Raiders have decided not to interview because they're in the playoffs. More about that in a minute. Um, but all these teams are looking for head coaches. So we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven openings. That is a lot. And it's something that some of them were long time coming. We could see them kind of from a mile away. I think Matt Nagy's days were numbered, obviously. Um, Jags and Raiders blew up during the season. And I, I mean, I felt like Joe Judge had to go the day he walked in the door in New York. But um, some of them, like the Dolphins especially, like you said, were incredibly shocking to see them fire Brian Flores. I think he's a great coach, and I think he's going to be one of the first guys to get a new job somewhere else. They already said he's interviewing with Chicago, and I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it does. So obviously this time of year is when we as Chiefs fans look to see who from Andy Reid's staff is going to get interviewed, who might be poached away after the season is over, who might be taken away from the team during a very important part of the season, the most important part of the year. For the last three years running, it has been Eric Bieniemy, the Chiefs offensive coordinator, who's been getting interview after interview after interview, and unfortunately has not been able to land a head coaching job. So far this cycle, and we're recording this on Wednesday, the 12th, part one. Uh, one team has requested to interview Eric Bieniemy, and it is the Denver Broncos. That is incredibly shocking to me for both accounts, both that it, there's only one and that I guess it's not shocking that the Broncos would request it. I, and we haven't seen if the Chiefs have granted that request. I I'm guess. sure they will. I'm sure, I'm sure they, they will. will. Yep, because they definitely and want to fact, do whatever And in fact, I they don't can. think you can block head coaching interview requests. I think you well, can't. Why do they request it? Yeah, I don't know. It, it does think, is reported. I, I, I don't think you can. I don't think you okay. can block interviews for head coaching positions. But gotcha, I, could, gotcha. I could be wrong about that. But point being, obviously, that if Bienemy were to get a job with the Broncos, that would be um, very, I guess, uh, conflicting for Chiefs Kingdom. Happy to see him get a job. Happy to you know watch it, watch him grow up or whatever. But not happy to see him go over to Denver. And if he ever got in the way of the Chiefs, that would be a pretty tough pill to swallow. Yeah, it is actually an interesting fit because obviously Eric Bieniemy was a running back for UC Boulder, uh, University of Colorado Buffaloes in the early 1990s. He actually was the second leading rusher in the nation, so second most rushing yards in the country in 1990. And he finished third in the Heisman voting. Did you know Maybe. that? Maybe. I did not know that until I looked it up yesterday. So uh, I knew he had a good career. I didn't see that he had finished third in the Heisman. That's awesome. Yeah, it's kind of a big deal. Yeah. Um, so after his NFL career concluded, he coached for uh, UC Boulder from 2001 to 2002. He was their offensive coordinator from 2011 to 2012 before he joined the Chiefs in 2013. So that was his previous offensive coordinator experience was in college with, uh, with the Buffaloes. And – what makes this kind of an interesting fit is that George Payton, the Broncos general manager, who just was hired this past year to take over for John Elway, who got fired, demoted, promoted up to president of football operations. Um, yeah, Eric Bieniemy coached for the Vikings from 2006 to 2010 as their running backs coach with obviously the great Adrian Peterson. And George Payton joined the Broncos as their director, or excuse me, not the Broncos, the Vikings as their director of player personnel in 2007. And he was there from uh, 2007 until last year when he joined the Broncos, first as their director of player personnel and then as their assistant general manager. So uh, I was listening to uh, Broncos radio the other day, and they just sort of casually reported on air that, you know, um, a source close to Eric Bieniemy said that, you know, he's feeling confident about this interview because of his personal relationship with George Payton. And it's hard to say, Taylor, when you've got somebody with Eric Bieniemy's pedigree, you know, offensive coordinator of one of the best offenses in football the last three years in a row, why he hasn't gotten a job. But you have to think that a guy like if George Payton knew Eric Bieniemy and thought he was a jerk and didn't think he had the chops, he wouldn't have interviewed him. Right. Like the fact that he is getting an interview and that they did request an interview with him and there is a personal relationship there would seem to suggest that, you know, he he is actually going to consider him for the job. They're not bringing him in the door to find out who he is no. because George Payton already knows who he is. Nope. You're right. And the question of, you know, why hasn't he gotten a head coach 
gig until now has been very interesting. And it's been something that we've talked about every off season for a couple of years now. And, you know, part of it might be that some, either the hiring process involved in, in hiring him, maybe the people don't believe that he actually runs the chief's offense, or at least has his hands on the offense as much as um, you would hope a guy coming in as an offensive guru would. Uh, there's also maybe, I don't know, maybe the guy doesn't interview very well. Maybe, I mean, there, there's just all kinds of questions about why someone that should have been basically the next head coach on any NFL team for the last two years has not gotten a job. And I'll be very interested if they get through this cycle and EB is still without a head coaching job. I just wonder if it's in the cards for him. Yeah, I agree. I mean, like I, I we're already starting to see it a little bit this cycle because so yeah. far and and not to say that there won't be other opportunities for him right like joe judge was just fired yesterday they're hiring a general manager first before they start interviewing mm-hmm. i believe the vikings are going to do that as well they cleaned yep. house they fired their general manager rick spielman and mike zimmer yep. their head coach so there are going to be other teams other openings that kind of are going to be opening up later in the cycle it's very possible that um that he could get some more interviews in the cycle but as of right now it's just the broncos and you know, I think that speaks to, I, I don't know, I, I think that on some level, teams are are sort of scared off by the fact that nobody else has hired him yet, right? Like, sure, he's, they, teams know that he has interviewed several times over the last couple of years, and he hasn't gotten a job. And so I think on some level, some of these teams are probably thinking like, well, do we even want to bring this guy in? Like, if he was a good candidate, some other team would have hired him already. And he's interviewed with some of these teams before. That's a good point. Yeah, there's some momentum to this whole being a head coach candidate, especially a hot head coaching candidate, someone that, you know, is very coveted. I mean, and I think some of it might have to do, and I didn't really think about this until now, but boy, the last two chiefs offensive coordinators that got hired are now no longer with their teams with Doug Peterson, obviously being fired from the Eagles and Matt Nagy earlier this week being fired from the bears. And so there might be a sense of like, I think Andy's doing everything over there and I don't think their offensive coordinators are really up to much. And I don't know. It's um, it, it will definitely, if he gets the job in Denver will be a big task for him because as we've seen, they don't have a quarterback and you know, he's had the best quarterback in football for his three years right. of, of being the, the guy. And so to go from, Mahomes to whatever dumpster fire Denver is going to put out there a quarterback is going to be a huge challenge for a guy that will no longer have Andy Reid drawn up his plays. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I, I just wanted to circle back to what you said about, you know, kind of the shine coming off the Andy Reid tree a little bit. I mean, even the guys that he's had that are still coaching in the league, Sean McDermott is doing a good job, but, yeah. you know, um, obviously uh, John Harbaugh or Jim. John, 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 John it yeah. is John. Jim's John Harbaugh. Michigan guy. That's right. For, for now. For, for now. For now, who knows? He could be heading down to Miami. There's a lot of speculation there, rumors there. Uh, Doug Peterson actually has interviewed or is going to interview for four jobs. So he's been unemployed for a year. He he took a year off, but it sounds like he might get back in. He is going to interview with the Vikings. He's going to interview with the Bears. He's going to interview with the Broncos and the Jacks. Those are the four teams that have requested to interview him or are going to interview him. They don't have to ask permission because he's not. <laughs> yeah, they requested it from him, and he's like, "Sure, <laughs> yeah, yeah." He gave I'll, his permission. I'll fly up there tomorrow. <laughs> so it'll be an interesting. It'll be an interesting cycle. Um, obviously, the Broncos' job is one that we're keeping really close tabs on, both because it appears, you know, a uh, Chiefs or former Chief could be in the mix for that job, but also because it's in the division. Um, the Raiders, we kind of have glossed over them a little bit, but mm-hmm. it certainly feels like, and we're going to talk more about their win over the Chargers here in a minute. That. Rich Bisaccia, I I have to think is going to be their guy. He's got to be the betting favorite at this point. I mean, unless they, unless maybe he didn't like coaching, unless he stepped in for Gruden and he would rather not be the head coach, which I can't really imagine. But I mean, right. I think at this point, the momentum for him, you know, the players obviously like him. He's obviously won four games to end the year for the Raiders. So he seems to know what he's doing. I, I would be shocked if he's not their coach next year. I mean, he's done something that no Raiders coach since um, Jack Del Rio has done in 2016. Make the playoffs. Get the Raiders to the playoffs. So That's right. Know. Not um, be a complete joke. Right. Speaking of complete jokes, uh, the Giants general manager, mm. Dave Gettleman, retired before he could be fired. He said, no, I'm out. You can't fire retired me. Retired in I quit. disgrace. 
he uh, has retired. And so the um, Giants are cleaning house. They're starting over. They're hiring a general manager. And then that general manager is going to lead their search for their new head coach. The Giants have requested an interview with Chiefs Executive Director of Player Personnel, Ryan Poles. And as far as I know, I don't know if those can be blocked, Taylor. I don't know. Hmm. But they have requested an interview with him. As far as I'm aware, I believe that is the only general manager position that any team has requested to speak with a member of the Chiefs front office. Which is good. You know, when uh, when things are working, you certainly don't want your guys to get poached to the other clubs. Uh, we worried about Brant Tillis last year. He obviously stayed with the Chiefs. Um, and, you know, in general, you want the stability. You want everybody from the top down to, to stick in house when they can. Speaking of house, obviously, the Chiefs are going to miss Matt House next year, but he's going to stick with them through the playoffs uh, before taking the LSU defensive coordinator position. So other than him, um, hopefully there's not a lot of shaking of the uh, of the Chiefs tree here in the coming up in the playoffs in the offseason. Speaking of the playoffs, we got to talk about what is happening. Boy, Taylor, so the Chiefs played on Saturday. That was, um, let me just do some quick math here. That was like five days ago. Uh, it feels like five years ago. Yeah. Because Sunday felt like we lived a thousand lifetimes of mm. NFL football. And we have to talk about it. We're just going to hit the highlights. Mm-hmm. But we have to start with the game that all of our eyes were on for at least, you know, the first half and then, and then for the, the last quarter. quarter. <laughs> and that is the Houston Texans versus the Tennessee Titans. As you all know, the Chiefs had a lot of riding on this game, having beaten the Broncos. If the Texans could pull off their second straight win over the Titans, the Chiefs would have been the number one seed. They would have had the bye. The Texans were down 21 to nothing at half in this game. And oh. they should have been down 14 to nothing, but the refs called a ridiculous DPI that set the Titans up for a one yard touchdown at the goal line right before half. And that put them up three scores. It was 21 to nothing. And, you know, at this point, I think you and I, like most Chiefs fans sort of were, were turning that game off. I actually had red zone on pretty much the entire time, but I was checking, you know, I was checking the scores and I kind of just was like, I don't, I don't know that I need to check this one anymore. Yeah. I mean, I was watching the first half extremely hyped and really with when the Titans scored for the first time that anyone scored in the game, there was seven minutes left in the second quarter. So even then I was like, okay, you know, the Texans are are sticking with them. Then the Titans marched down the field with a minute 34 to go and punched it in to go up 14, nothing. And I'm thinking, well, shit, the Texans are going to get the ball back to start the third quarter. They'll be down two scores. And then obviously with a minute 30 to go, they went three and out Titans use their timeouts. They punted back to the Titans and then they threw a, freaking prayer that like you said was a horrible dpi call and horrible Literally dpi one calls ones of the year and that's a extremely high bar horrible it dpi is. calls are basically the calling card of the referees of the 2021 nfl season but the titans punched it in one play later they went up 21 nothing everyone else was thinking well shit k uh the the chiefs are locked in the two seed we might as well just forget about this game and then kind of davis mills have it magic happened yeah, the fighting Davis Mills came fighting back in this game in the second half, made it a one-score game, and really, like, this came down to the wire. I mean, in yeah. the fourth quarter... It was neck and neck. <laughs> I see what you did there. That was uh, that was impressive. I love that. Uh, if you haven't, if you don't know what the joke is there, just Google Davis Mills and take a look at his photo, and you'll see. Yeah, the Texans came out and scored 10 straight in the uh, in third quarter. Um, to make it, you know, an 11-point game. Then they scored another touchdown at the start of the fourth quarter, Danny Amendola, and then they Who? got a two. Yeah, exactly, Danny Amendola. He's still in the league. He was like teammates with, like, Wes Welker. It was like yeah. Danny Amendola and Wes Welker, and then, like, Danny Amendola and Julian Edelman, right? He's a million years old. Uh, but they got a two-point conversion to make it a three-point game. And then, ugh, this was just a dagger. So the Titans have the ball. They're up three. I mean, like, yeah, it's if, a the, if the Texans get a stop, like game on and game over, frankly, hmm. the way that Davis Mills was throwing that football, right? Mm-hmm. The Titans had third and long in Texans territory. <sighs> Ryan Tannehill was in the grasp. He was going to go down. He escaped the sack. He throws a bomb. And the Titans end up scoring a touchdown to go up 10 the Texans do come back. They scored a touchdown. They made it a three-point game again, but they could not get the ball back and punch it in. They fall by three points. Chiefs end up with the two seed. 
it was a tragedy. It was a tragedy. It was an entertaining game and and everyone could kind of, you know, it was, it was, they were playing for us. So, you know, you envisioned a Chiefs playoff by if that were to pull off. So it was definitely fun to root. But at the end of the day, you know, the Chiefs didn't take care of business. They had the five losses on the year. They, it's okay to not get the bye. Patrick Mahomes will be able to see what wildcard weekend is like one time in his career before going back to never having to play it in ever again. So we will, uh, we will definitely wish the Texans well for their efforts there. And really the Texans beat the Titans earlier. We couldn't really ask for more than that to make it as close as it was. Let's talk about the crazy, the craziness of that day, which was the Colts Jags. Yeah, I mean, this is the game that kind of put everything in motion. So take us take us through it. Man, so as everyone knows, I was big on the whole uh, Chargers-Raiders-Tie situation, the tie-pocalypse. I, I was really wanted it to happen, but as everyone who talked about it throughout the week was pointing out, man, but in order for it to happen, you got to have the Jags beat the Colts, which seems like a, all the Colts need to do is beat the worst team in the league, the team with the number one pick in the draft, and they will get in the playoffs. That seems like a slam dunk, never going to happen. But as as counter people pointed out, the Jags have won against the Colts in Jacksonville every year since 2014. So there was a little bit of, you know, a little bit of a monkey on the back of the Colts. Why can't they go into Jacksonville and win? And I got... I kind of expected at least if the Jags were going to pull this off for it to be dramatic. It was not right. dramatic. No. They kicked their asses. They went yes. touchdown. Then the Colts turned it over on downs. And then Jags kicked a field goal. Colts punted. Jags kicked a field goal. At halftime, it was 13-3 Jags. Everyone was saying, holy shit, this could actually happen. And then the second half was even more of an ass kicking <laughs> than the first half. Colts fumble, Colts punt, Colts interception, Colts turnover on downs, Colts turnover on downs. And then finally, when they're down 26 to three with three minutes left, get a garbage time touchdown to make the final score 26 11. And I mean, the NFL world was freaking out. Yeah, I mean, this was the game that that really held the keys to so many other different scenarios, one of which we're going to talk about in the very next game that we hit here. But this was a Carson Wentz blow up special epic proportions i saw a tweet yesterday that uh read uh qbr which is you know the fun little quarterback stat that espn came up with uh a perfect qbr is 100 an average qbr is 50 carson wentz's qbr in this game on sunday in a do or die win or get in against the worst team in the nfl his qbr was (laughs) 4.4 so you know, oh, not, yeah, not great. I saw a not, lot of Andrew Luck tweets. Not where you want to be. He was at the national title game. He so, was at the know, national title was, game, he and fit. he was looking sharp. And and after having, you know, suddenly retired, and then the Colts thought they got their answer when they traded for Wentz. And I mean, really, Wentz did show some flashes, which he always has. He's always shown flashes. Sure, but then he always shows Wentz after that. And boy, I mean, they've got to just be thinking about about rethinking their entire quarterback situation i would imagine they have to be rethinking their entire existence at this point like i i don't think it's an overstatement to say that this is like one of the most embarrassing losses an nfl team has had in years i would agree i mean like i i think it's time to reevaluate you know i mean listen love chris ballard former kansas city guy obviously he's a guy that's gotten a ton of hype. Like every person when they're doing their top GM list or whatever, like Chris Ballard's always like a top five GM, right? Seems good. At some point you have to evaluate like, is Chris Ballard that good? Are the Colts (laughs) that good as an organization? They had a literally that all they had to do was beat the Jags. And they not only did not beat the Jags, they were down 26 to three in this game and they lost by 15. Like this was a, shellacking it was an embarrassing loss for them it was disturbing it was disgusting they should be disgusted by it they are disgusted by it but you know what who who isn't disgusted by it is everybody else in the football watching world that isn't a colts fan because this opened up just a world of possibilities yeah it did it made it so that first of all the game that was going on at that time actually now that i think about it i think it was a three o'clock game raven steelers And so the game that was coming up after that, everyone was looking at it and because Ravens and Steelers needed the Colts to lose in order to even have a prayer at making the playoffs. It was was a new game also. Oh, it was. Okay, cool. So the Ravens forever. 
Gotcha. So the Ravens and Steelers were playing at this time, but everyone in that stadium was watching the Colts score. And they knew that with the Colts being kicked out, the Ravens and the Steelers, both whoever won that game had a shot at the seven seed. They didn't have a, uh, the, the Steelers had a much better shot than the Ravens because the Ravens needed a little bit extra help than the Steelers would have. But point being, they kept many, many, the Colts kept many, many fan bases interested in their demise, which is great. And then, of course, the Ravens and Steelers, which were playing an NFC North, a classic, classic 13 to 10 NFC North game or AFC North game. Jesus. Um, They were going back and forth and Big Ben's noodle arm against Tyler Huntley. And it was very sloppy and very, you know, I, I just I'm kind of disgusted every time I watch the Ravens and the Steelers play either of them. And when they play each other, it's like multiply the disgustingness. But, uh, you know, yeah, you should. (laughs) <laughs> they uh the the Steelers they everyone thought it was going to be Big Ben's last play he had fourth and nine in overtime and he ends up going down the field throwing the ball converting the fourth down kicking the game-winning field goal and live to uh to go on to Kansas City yeah live to have his retirement party in his last game at Arrowhead instead yeah. of in Baltimore yeah. Yeah, this was a, a wild game I mean you um you were a little bit confused about the start time because this game took over three and a half hours and yeah. the Colts game took just a, a five minutes over. It was three Oh five. This was an interesting game. I'm sure for them, because you know, like we talked about the Colts were getting blown out pretty much from the jump. And so, you know, I mean, they had to have been checking that score at halftime and realizing yes. like, Oh, this, this is a game that we need to win. We basically play, a playoff game. play to the final whistle and it is basically a playoff game. And if, you know, they actually had a scenario where if they tied and this did go down to two minutes left in overtime, both of these teams would have been eliminated. Yeah. So we had all kinds of fun tie scenarios playing out um, on huh. Sunday <laughs> and the Steelers pull it out. We'll talk more about the Steelers when we preview the game in part two of this episode. But this was a game where, I mean, honestly, as soon as the Chiefs lost the one seed, the possibility of getting the bye, you know, it turned into we need to get the most, you know, valuable seven seed. Give us the best matchup from the seven seed. And this was an amazing game. I mean, I was cheering. Mm-hmm. I had rooting interest in all of these games, but I was cheering so hard for the Steelers on fourth and eight in overtime when Big Ben completed that pass to Ray Ray McLeod for 10 yards, picked up that first down. Boy, I was going nuts <laughs> Me because too. I knew that the Steelers could only make the playoffs as the seventh seed, and the Steelers are terrible. And they yeah, the way that the scenarios worked out, if the Steelers won this game, then unless the Raiders and Chargers tied, then they were already locked in no matter what else happened throughout the NFL that the Chiefs would play the Steelers. So it was very much, you know, if you're a Chiefs fan, when it got to overtime, you're thinking, hell yeah, give me Big Ben. Like we just beat them 36-10 again, as we'll talk about later. And uh, to see the Steelers on the other side of that is a lot of fun. It's very exciting, but nothing compares excitement level to what happened on Sunday Night Football. (laughs) Sunday Night Football was like, I feel like it was maybe the most into a regular season non-Chiefs game as I've ever been. Yeah, it, it was it was thrilling, and everyone knew the typocalypse was on. The Colts lost, the Steelers won. Those were the two scenarios that we needed, so that the the Chargers and Raiders both needed a win to get in, or could have tied and both gotten in, which is the perfect perfect storm of complete fuck for the NFL, where they absolutely knew that if these teams wanted to, they could have gamed the system a little bit to both get their playoff spots. But of course. The Raiders didn't have, and the Chargers, they weren't cool enough. They weren't smart enough. They weren't hip enough. They didn't realize that they could have just gone out there and kneeled down and, you know, both made the playoffs. So they actually decided to play a volunteer playoff game against each other for basically no good reason. Well, I mean, they definitely knew that they could do that, right? Like they, they, they understood it. Brandon Staley was asked about it during the week. We talked about it on our previous show last week that, you know, he said they had too much respect for the shield and so on and so forth. I'm certain that there were calls being made after, you know, the Steelers win and the Colts loss. I'm sure that there were, you know, shadowy league figures making phone calls saying like, you better not, you better not do that. You better not. Or we will, you know, like I I saw somebody posting, uh, you know, one of those obscure rules of football that said, you know, like the, the commission can like, you know, basically award you forfeits or whatever it is. You can can do do whatever whatever he wants for extremely unsportsmanlike conduct or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Um, What did happen in this game though, 
is that because both teams knew that they needed to get a tie to get into the playoffs and they both would get in with the tie and one of them would be eliminated with a loss. This game came down to a scenario near the end of the game where, (laughs) you know, a tie became a possibility. They were both trying to win, but in trying to win, they got to a point where in fact, after at the end of regulation, they were tied. We do have to talk about the run up to the end of regulation because it it was insane. So first of all, the people that were keeping their eye on the tie thought that there was no chance when the Raiders scored a touchdown and missed the two-point conversion to go up 26-14 with 14 minutes left in the game. And so it was a 12-point game. That is very, very, very unlikely to end up in a tie when you're up 12 with 14 minutes to go. And then the Chargers threw a pick. So with 13 minutes left, the Raiders have the ball up 12, and everyone's thinking, okay, well, at least there's not going to be a tie. We'll see We'll see if the Raiders can hold on. But then, of course, as the math would work out, the Raiders kick a field goal, and then when they go, when they kick a field goal, everyone mm-hmm. goes, now, wait a minute. That's 15. Now, now we're cooking. Now we can actually we can talk about a tie. And, of course, the Chargers mount one of the most epic, unbelievable final eight minutes of the game that I've ever seen. It was... It was full of fourth downs. There was a fourth and six that was originally called short around the goal line that got reversed and gave the Chargers a first down. They ended up uh, then backing up on a hold and a sack. And then on fourth and 21 with four minutes and 28 seconds to go from the 23-yard line, game. I mean, if the Chargers don't literally score a touchdown here on fourth and 21, it's game. Of course, Justin Herbert throws a piss missile to Josh Palmer for 23 yards. That's crazy. And then now, since they were down 15, they get the two-point conversion to Eckler, and they're down seven. With 4.28 to go, and everyone's thinking, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like, it's it's on. It's happening. And the Raiders, for their part, don't do anything to help the scenario out. They get the ball back and go three plays minus six yards, including a seven-yard Joey Bosa sack where he did fumble, uh, car fumbled the ball, but the Raiders recovered it. So they punt back to Justin Herbert with two minutes and 16 seconds to go. He's down seven. And now the whole world outside of probably both teams and maybe even both teams is rooting for a tie. They're rooting for Herbert to go down the field, tie the game and first, first down incomplete, second down incomplete, third down incomplete and get used to that pattern. Cause that's going to happen a couple times, fourth and 10, 11 yards, Keenan Allen, barely first down, first down incomplete, second down incomplete, third down incomplete, fourth and 10. Incomplete, short, middle, defensive holding. First down. Mm -hmm. First and 10 at the 33. And there's a sack and a fumble. And and then Herbert picks the ball up and runs 20 yards. And it was a dope-ass play because he was the only one that realized the ball was live. But they reversed it and they said it was an incomplete pass. So second and 10, third and 10, once again. uh, Herbert then, this time on third and 10, does convert for 14 yards. First down. First and 10 incomplete, second 10 incomplete. Third down, first down. First down incomplete, second down incomplete. Third down incomplete. Fourth and 10. Once again, 14 yards to Mike Williams. 15 seconds left from the 29. Just the whole, I I can't believe the end of this game. First down incomplete. Second down incomplete, except reversed. It was incomplete. And then they said that Guyton actually did catch the ball, ran out of bounds at the 12 with 10 seconds left. And then (laughs) Mike Williams with no time left from Justin Herbert. 412 yards, game tire, extra point is good, which everyone expected that extra point to get shanked. Sure, because of course, Chargers. Chargers. So they actually made it to overtime. It was the, I, I mean, I I know you and I were talking during this game and, and it was annoying that the Chargers were still alive because we talked all about how we got to keep Herbert out of the playoffs. Yeah, and, my and God, how could you not? I mean, literally anybody, you you were saying, and I, I, don't, I don't mean to contradict you. You I were know. saying that everybody was rooting for a tie. I was not rooting for a tie. I did not want to see the man that converted like a billion fourth downs in the fourth quarter of this game. He's very good. To send it to overtime. I did not want him anywhere near the playoffs. Get him out. Although he's very good, but he has a 15 and 17 record as a starting quarterback in the NFL. You know, quarterback wins, whatever. He's good. Yeah, I know. He is very good. He's very good. Overtime, they each take the ball. Raiders kick a field goal. Chargers kick a field goal. Raiders get the ball back with four minutes and 30 seconds left in overtime. And now everyone's saying, just just 
don't screw up. Just don't do anything dumb here. You can run the ball. If you got a punt, no big deal. They're going to, you know, but the Raiders broke in overtime, a huge 28 yard run by Josh Jacobs. And when they did that, they actually said after the game that when they chose to run the ball to start that drive off, that they were kind of testing the chargers. And if the chargers sure. were going to call timeouts after that run, or try and kind of just depending on how the Chargers reacted to that, they were going to figure out if they wanted to play for the tie or not. And they ran the ball, and the Chargers did not call a timeout. And they thought, okay. And they probably. got gashed, and they got destroyed because they, the Chargers have the worst run defense ever. They do. So then they got down to midfield, and there was kind of some confusion. It was a third and four, and the Chargers, with 38 seconds left on the clock, call a timeout. And the Raiders kind of went back to the sideline, changed up their formation. They were still going to run um, on – or they were in the shotgun, I guess, on their first third and four. And then they get up there and they run for 10 yards on third and four. They call a timeout with two seconds left, and they kick a field goal to eliminate the Chargers and send Pittsburgh officially to Kansas City. I mean, it was – it was insane. It was the most Chargers loss probably ever, and that's saying yeah, a lot. Yeah, that is I saying mean, a lot. To, to get in a position where, you know, all you need to do is tie, and you do tie at the end of regulation, and then, you know, for them to exchange field goals, you know, that obviously, like, at the point where the, the Raiders do not score a touchdown on the opening possession, all the Chargers need I to thought, do score a touchdown. I thought they and, would. And, you know, Herbert had just led them on, what, three straight, straight two straight touchdown drives. Yeah. Miracles seen and converted about a billion fourth downs. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, to me, 15 and 17 record as an NFL starter aside, that to me is the indictment on Herbert in this game is that if you're, if you are a true superstar quarterback, and I do think that he's incredible and yeah, I extremely too. good. I do too. You score a touchdown on that yep. drive and you end the game. Pat and scores the Chargers, a touchdown there. The Chargers, the, he absolutely does. The Chargers had the opportunity to end this game in overtime, despite losing the coin toss, couldn't do it. And they called timeout. Obviously, Brandon Staley called the timeout because there was almost no time left on the play clock. The Raiders didn't look like they had a whole lot of incentive. I mean, I think the reason people think that, you know, the, the timeout was a mistake is because the Raiders were pushing the play clock all the way down before they ran a play. And so, you know, at that point, like there's only 38 seconds left in the game. They're taking the entire play clock. It certainly seems like they're not inclined to run three or four or five more plays and try and get into field goal range. And they're not in field goal range at this point in time. So, you know, the Chargers call a timeout because Brandon Staley is trying to prevent them from getting a big gain. He wants to swap out his personnel and they swap out their personnel and they still get gashed for 10 yards on third and four. And it sets up the field goal. The Chargers lose the game. The Chargers are eliminated from the playoffs. And somehow, like, Aside from the Chiefs getting the one seed, the best case scenario happens with both the Raiders and the Steelers getting in and the Steelers coming to Kansas City to play the Chiefs this weekend. I mean, think about Raiders and Steelers instead of Colts and Chargers. I know. I mean, that field is just so different. It's so much worse. It's so much more advantageous for the Chiefs. Um, It's something where, like you said, it's not a buy, but – it sure feels like it's pretty close to it. And really, even if it was a tie and the Raiders would have come to Kansas City, that would have felt like a buy, except then the Chargers would have been in the field. And now they're not. It was a shitload of fun, and I can't believe that that's how the regular season ended. There were more walk-off plays this year than any year in NFL history, and not just because of the 17 games. They actually set that record before the 17th game started. Um, The Raiders had, like, five or six walk-off wins, like last yes, play wins. Six, I mean, six, yeah. Six, yeah. They were they were ridiculous at the end of the games, and um, I just – it was such a dramatic, dramatic season. They had said it would be the biggest and the best NFL season ever, and boy, were they right. While the NFL playoffs are here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, kicks things off with a huge offer. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any wildcard team to win their game. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team is victorious. 
If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have something to play for this wildcard weekend. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win $280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TPPN this wildcard weekend at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 roller, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Who's going to win a Super Bowl this year? You don't know shit. Thank you, Frank Reynolds, for that. We're going to kick it off with our playoff preview, Taylor. We're we're going to talk about what to watch for, uh, who we're rooting for. Really, who are we versus is what we're talking about here. That's right. So I think we should probably go in game order here, but let's first talk about the two number one seeds in each yep. conference briefly um, before we kind of get into the matchups that are, we're going to be seeing this weekend that, that we're going to be watching as fans uh, before we get into the Chiefs on Sunday night. And those are in the AFC, the Tennessee Titans, and in the NFC, the Green, Green Bay Packers. Bay Packers. Yeah, yeah, of course. I, I couldn't think of where the Packers play. I was sure. like, the, Green uh, Bay. The Green, the, Green literally Bay. the only time sure. anyone talks about Green Bay know, is in right. relation to the Packers. Yeah. Green Bay, Wisconsin. Well, so the Green the Bay Tennessee Packers. The, the interesting thing about them is clearly what they're going to look like with Derrick Henry back. Sure. Because they were a completely different team with him on the field than when he went down with an injury. They were very vulnerable without Henry. Um, with him in there, they beat five consecutive teams that made the playoffs last year. They were as rolling as any team in the NFL got for a stretch there. Um, and, you know, if King Henry's fresh, which is a scary thought because he's very good even when he's not fresh, and – I mean, they definitely have a chance to come out well-rested, take on a, a playoff team in their in the divisional round that's going to be the worst seed remaining, and take it to them. And I fully expect the Chiefs, if they can happen to get by the Steelers and then the divisional round, to have to go to Nashville in the final game. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they look like in two weeks. They obviously are going to have some time to get healthy. Bully for them, you know, it would have been nice if we had gotten the bye. Unfortunately, the Chiefs did have the same record as the Titans, but they got clowned by the Titans 27 to 3 in week seven. So the Titans have the bye and we do not. And, you know, I think, you know, a lot of people are saying, you know, don't don't underestimate the Titans, right? And the Titans are are fine. They're the number one seed for a reason. But, you know, I don't really fear the Titans. I no. I think the Chiefs team that played the Titans in week seven was a completely different Chiefs team. That was really rock bottom. Um, yep. The Chiefs went into that game, you know, not really having an identity on defense. That was really the start of their struggles on offense. And so that really was, for both sides of the ball, the worst that they played all year. And the defense kind of snapped out of it and obviously shut the Titans out in the second half of that game and sort of keyed their you know resurgence that was really the first half that we saw from the defense that wasn't yeah. absolutely awful good point and they they kind of bounced back from that but i would not i would not fear going to tennessee for the afc championship game if we had to do that no matter how healthy they are their quarterback ultimately is still ryan Tannehill. he's a guy who can make some plays we saw that unfortunately on third and long against the texans on sunday mm. but you know at the end of the day he still is ryan Tannehill. You know, a team that's built around a running back and a rushing attack is not a team that's going to scare me in 2022. On the other hand, of course, in the NFC field, the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers are a team that doesn't look like they have a lot of holes. A team that, you know, has the number one seed for, I think, the third year in a row or yeah, the sec second year in a row. I think the uh, the 49ers had it too. Yeah. yeah, the 49ers had it two years ago when they went to the Super Bowl. But a, a team that's had the bye for several years in a row has been dominant under Matt LaFleur in his three seasons there. I mean, they're the favorite, and the playoffs run through them in the NFC. And, you know, if they don't find a way to completely choke away another NFC championship game appearance, this is very likely to be the Chiefs opponent in the Super Bowl. I agree with that. They have the presumptive MVP, which would be his second consecutive MVP. 
Aaron Rodgers is fantastic. Um, you know, he missed the Chiefs game and they lost. And then he sat the second half of the Detroit game and they lost. So a 13 and four team that was really 13 and two when Aaron Rodgers started. And the, one of those two losses was in week one when they really didn't have any idea what was going on and they got clowned by the Saints. But at the end of the day, this Packers team is as dangerous as any in the field. And they, they play extremely well on both sides of the ball. I think the NFC is going to have a really hard time, like you said, knocking them out of the playoffs. Let's talk about the games that are being played on Super Wild Card Weekend. The Chiefs play on Sunday night, so there will be four games played before the Chiefs play on Sunday and one game played after them on Monday Night Football. That's going to be Cardinals versus Rams. That'll be a fun one. But let's just go through them here in chronological order. So, in fact, the all of the other AFC games, the two other AFC games, are both going to be played on Saturday, yep. starting with the Raiders at the Bengals at 3.30 hour head time. Raiders traveling to the Bengals, both 10 and seven teams. Bengals uh, did sit their starters in uh, week 18. They did not really have the opportunity to move up. They could technically have gotten the one seed, but a lot of things would have had to fall their way. And they kind of didn't think that that was going to happen. And so, or not the one seed, but I think they could have gotten the two. They could have gotten the two. Yeah. And they did not decide that that was worth their time. They ended up with a fairly fortunate draw here because they get the, the Raiders who are aside from the Steelers, probably the weakest team in the AFC field. Wouldn't you say? I would say that for sure. I mean, you know, the choices there aren't um, aren't a ton of easy teams after them. But really, what this game comes down to is a thirty-two to thirteen win in Week Eleven this year by the Bengals over the Raiders, and Joe Burrow versus Derek Carr. This is Derek Carr's first career playoff game. Um, obviously, Good for him. they made the playoffs in twenty sixteen, but he was hurt. Uh, you know, it, it's fine. I think that um, he does seem like a nice dude, all other things aside. And he probably, before he retires, should at least get to experience the playoffs. But um, I have a feeling he's only going to experience one game, and it's probably not going to go very well. This game is going to be 27 degrees kickoff, and we all know about his mm. his cold weather um, <laughs> aptitude or lack thereof. Yes. And you know, the Bengals are hot right now and Jamar Chase is unbelievable and Joe Burrow's playing like a man possessed. And I really just think that they're going to be too much for the Raiders. I think you're probably right, but the Raiders do have a really strong pass rush. And that is something that, you know, yeah. we, we saw Joe Burrow against the Chiefs struggle, not struggle with pressure. He faced a lot of pressure. He was insane and he was throwing yeah. darts. But, he's still you know, the most sacked quarterback in football. He's still the most sacked quarterback in football. And, you know, eventually it's hard to play that well against consistent pressure for as long as he has. It's really amazing the streak that he's gone on, the run that he's gone on in the second half of the year. He's getting pressured a ton. He's getting sacked a ton. But he's also just hitting home run after home run. And, you know, if the Raiders are going to win this game, they have to disrupt him. They have to force him off his spots. They have to get home and get those sacks. I know that it's unlikely that the Raiders pull the upset here. Cincinnati is a five and a half point favorite in this game. And I like Cincinnati to win and cover. But as far as who are we versus, who are we rooting for in this game? We're rooting for the Raiders. Big time. Yeah. I mean, I guess phrasing it as rooting for the Raiders is sure. tough to do. I but, know it is. I but understand. The it. result of the Raiders over the Bengals would greatly benefit the Chiefs because. The Chiefs' opponent is going to be determined by what happens in the Patriots-Bills game later that night that we're, we're about to talk about. And if the Patriots win, then the Chiefs get the winner of the Raiders-Bengals. And we certainly would rather that be the Raiders than the Bengals, obviously. So, you know, all things considered, if the Chiefs are going to line up their perfect playoff route, it would include the Raiders. It would. It would include playing the Raiders in the second round. I mean, there is a path to the Super Bowl that includes playing the Steelers in the first round and the Raiders in the second round, which is preposterous. Mm. Two buys. Uh, it does. <laughs> two buys. Two buys. It, it does require uh, the Patriots to pull off an upset in the second game of the day. So the Patriots are traveling to Buffalo to play their division rival AFC East foes, the Buffalo Bills, in a game in which the Bills are favored by four. This is a really interesting game kicking off at 7.15 Arrowhead time because obviously these two teams have played each other twice within the past month. They split those games. The Patriots won in Buffalo and the Bills won in Foxborough. And this is a game where, you know, 
uh, Mina Kimes tweeted today, um, you know, goofy football take, haha. Uh, if the Bills want to get the most out of Josh Allen, they should build a dome, which mm-hmm. I love you, Mina, but that's not a very goofy take. That's just a good take. Like, and don't yep. confuse goofy with with solid football takes. I, I think, you know, we obviously all remember the game that they played in Buffalo about a month ago mm-hmm. where the Patriots threw the ball three times and they Bizarre. beat the Bills. And that game was super windy. It was also super cold. This game, supposedly the wind is not going to be a huge factor, but it is going to be like zero when it kicks three off. Three degrees and is what AccuWeather says, yeah. Three degrees of kickoff, and it's kicking off at seven. It's kicking off at 8.15 East Coast time, local time. So, I mean, this game's going to be over at like midnight. It's going to be yep. just disgustingly yep. co- cold. And, <laughs> you know, I, I understand that, that wind is the biggest factor when you're throwing the ball, but like, if I'm Stefan Diggs or any of the Bills receivers, I don't really want Josh Allen throwing the ball at me. <laughs> Especially not hard. Below. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to break some fingers off. Yeah. yeah. It's a it's a really interesting matchup. I think Patriots-Bills is one of the better divisional rivalries going in football right now, just based on obviously the Patriots two-decade and then the Bills trying to dethrone them and successfully over the last two years winning the AFC East and – you know, taking care of their business and and kind of trying to show the Patriots who had, you know, Tom Brady was 33 and two or something against the Bills in his career, whatever it was. And like, I think the Bills circle the Patriots. I mean, everyone circles the Patriots, but the Bills, this is really, this is their Super Bowl, <laughs> but they actually win them sometimes. Um, and oh. I do think, I do think that this is the type of game that, you know, the Patriots are very capable of out, of out coaching and out playing the bills in this game, regardless of, of the bills talent and regardless of everything else, the the most important bill in this game is going to be on the sideline for the Patriots. And he is no stranger to playoff, you know, challenges and to going into an opponent that, you know, probably should beat his team and finding a way to figure it out. And yeah, you know, Mac Jones is, has been a little up and down this year, but he's been I mean, mostly down lately. He's been mostly down lately. That's right. Um, I can just see this game as frigid and cold as it is coming down to like a 10, 10 fourth quarter tie. And if that's the case, like give me the Patriots in that game. So I, I definitely think it's going to be a last possession game one way or the other. Yeah. I mean, the Patriots are still built to run over the bills, right? Like I still don't think that the bills can necessarily stop the Patriots rushing attack. And I think, you know, it's Bill Belichick in the playoffs. And I I know that, you know, he he's played them twice in the regular season. I'm sure that the Patriots understood on some level that this was a very likely rematch for them. And because of the way that the seeding works, you know, in the playoffs with the you know, the wild card seeds not being able to to jump higher than fifth, the fifth seed, and you know, the division winner being a three or the four, you know, they knew that a four, five or a three six matchup was extremely likely. And so mm-hmm. I think that probably Bill has something up his sleeve. And I do think, you know, he's the greatest coach of all time. You can argue about Tom Brady, whether he's the greatest quarterback or what Bill Belichick's the greatest football coach of all time. I think he's easy. got something up his easy. sleeve. The bills, by the way, Tom Brady was 33 and three against the bills, which is insane. That was a great poll by you. Um, and uh, preposterous. I mean, it, it's an, it's incredible. I mean, this game for us as Chiefs fans is a strong rooting interest for the Patriots. Not only because Absolutely. not only because we want to see an elite quarterback in Josh Allen get eliminated from the playoffs, or at least a quarterback that has the ability to play at an elite level, right? Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. Mac Jones, Mac Jones, Mac Jones at his ceiling is not going to shred you. No. Um, Josh Allen at his ceiling can shred you and, and yeah. has shredded you in the yeah. past. Not, not, you being the Chiefs, yeah, he kind of shredded us this year. Hell yeah, he did. That's fine. He did. He did. He did. I was thinking about last year when we beat him twice and he looked terrible. Sure, there was two. He did look terrible, but he figured us out. At least he figured out the old Chiefs. He, he figured, figured out the figured old out the Chiefs. Chiefs. He hasn't seen the new Chiefs. So if the Patriots win this game and the Bengals beat the Raiders, then the Chiefs will play the Bengals. If the Patriots win this game, then the Chiefs are going to play the the winner of Raiders-Bengals, as you said. So we want the Patriots to win this game. That would send the Patriots to Tennessee to play the Titans. And it would send the winner of Raiders-Bengals to Arrowhead to play the Chiefs in the second round. So we are definitely rooting for the Patriots here because if the Bills win, we're playing the Bills. That's it. We're yep. the two seed, they're the three seed. If the Bills win this game, we're locked into playing the Bills. And Raiders-Bengals go to Tennessee, and you figure you want to send the best team 
to go try and take down the number one seed so that if the Chiefs get by their sure. divisional opponent, they're hosting the AFC Championship game for right. the fourth year in a row. Jesus, fourth year in a row. Yes. After never having hosted before Mahomes, and they would Mahomes be doing has that. never not hosted it. So, yeah. you know, but it, it is what it is. In order to do that, you want to send the team that has the best chance to knock off the Tennessee Titans, and that is obviously the Patriots over the Raiders or Bengals, right? I mean, I guess you I would agree. say Patriots over Bengals because – I don't think I think we would all rank the Raiders last there, but I don't know. I guess the Bengals are feisty. They could go into Tennessee and knock them off, and then come to Arrowhead and have a Burrow Mahomes rematch for the AFC Championship. Uh, I mean, the NFL would love that. Sure, you know I, that they're you know that their referee crews like to push things that the uh, the NFL likes and would make money. I mean, I think I think the Patriots going to Tennessee would be a really intriguing matchup. Obviously you've got the Belichick Vrabel situation going on there. Um, the Titans did eliminate the Patriots yeah. two years ago. And so yeah. it'd be a little bit of a Brady's revenge last game. game. Patriots. It would be a revenge game for the Patriots, you know, a little bit. Um, that would be a juicy one, a spicy one. Yeah. I mean, for sure. Like we don't want the bills to win this game. The bills would be coming to arrowhead and, you know, for all the bills struggles this year, I, I mean, I think, I, I see a lot of people that are sort of apprehensive about playing the Bills in the second round, and that's fine. I get it because the the last time you played the Bills, they they wiped the floor with you, and the Bills are built to beat the Patriots or not the Patriots, but the Chiefs. They yeah. they constructed their roster with you know the idea of stopping the pass and being able to throw deep and you know beat the kind of coverages that the Chiefs like to run with Josh Allen. Like they're not built to pull people over and play power. And I think the chiefs actually do now with their offensive line, have the ability to match up against the bills. It's not a matchup that would super concern me, but you know, Josh Allen and Joe Burrow are the two best quarterbacks left. The chiefs have a path. If the Patriots and Raiders both win where they will have to play neither of those two quarterbacks. And that is the ideal path. So we're rooting for the Raiders. We're rooting for the Patriots on Saturday. Boy, the, the opposing quarterbacks of big Ben Derek Carr and Mac Jones to get to the Super Bowl. <laughs> sure, sure. Sign me up or, for that. Or Ryan Tannehill. I mean, either way, it's not yeah. super imposing. And you know what? Nobody will remember that in uh, in ten years, right? Like uh, no. nobody remembers who you beat on the way to the playoff or on the way to the Super Bowl. They just remember the rings. That's right. So going over to Sunday, we've got two NFC matchups before the Chiefs take the field on Sunday night. The first one is Eagles versus Buccaneers. Do you have any interest in this game? Well, it's Tom Brady in the playoffs and. Obviously, Tom Brady is the one coming out of the NFC that changes everything about what a Super Bowl matchup would be. So, Uh, I mean, I'm going to watch every down of the Bucs in this postseason. And they're banged up right now. They, you know, they're definitely, they feel more vulnerable than they looked last year. I'll say that much. And when they played the Eagles earlier in the year, they beat them 28-22. Eagles scored with like six minutes to go to cut that to a six point game. But I mean, they hung with them. It was, it was definitely not an ass kicking by any means. And I think the Eagles have some fun guys. I think Jalen hurts is, uh, is exciting and is a type of athletic quarterback capable of, of handling that bucks defense pretty well. And, and I see this being a game kind of like, uh, when the bucks went to the super bowl last year and they started off, you know, against a guy like Taylor Heineke that is underrated athletically and, and, you know, had the football team right there on the brink of beating the Bucks, And and I think this will probably be one of those games that will be decided by a bullshit pass interference call that will benefit the Bucks. I mean, that sure. seems pretty obvious right now, and I'm definitely going to clip this audio and play it after it happens because that seems destined to happen. I'm pretty certain that I remember a bullshit pass interference penalty weighing heavily in the second half of the first matchup between these two teams. I'm not going to look it up. I'm not going to verify it. I'm certain that it happened because it happens in every game that Tom Brady has ever played and ever will play in the NFL. I do think the point that you made about the Eagles offense and kind of how they're built um, around their running quarterback, Jalen Hurts, is a good one. The Buccaneers have struggled against running quarterbacks specifically. Like they were obviously a super dominant run defense last year. They've kind of wilted a little bit and they really do struggle with teams kind of built around rushing quarterbacks. The Eagles made the playoffs as a nine and eight team. They're going to Tampa. This is probably not going to be the game that knocks Tom Brady out of the playoffs, but you never know. It'll be one worth keeping an eye on for sure. And, you know, 
Um, Josh Allen in the second half, uh, not that he was necessarily a rushing quarterback. He can throw too, but he really burned the Buccaneers as a rusher in their matchup against the Bills uh, several weeks ago in which the Bills were down huge at half and kind of came back in the second half True. and forced overtime in that game only for Tom Brady to win the coin to us and throw, you know, a walk-off touchdown like he does. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second matchup on Sunday between NFC teams is 49ers at Cowboys. Kind of an interesting game. Uh, between two pretty fun teams. I'm just excited to watch this one as a fan because I think these are, are both pretty interesting, fun teams. Uh, I know your, your your personal feelings about the Cowboys are well-documented on this yeah. podcast, and I can imagine who you will be rooting for in this game. But, you know, if you had to pick one of these two teams to play in the Super Bowl, who would it be? If I had to pick one of these two teams for the Chiefs to face in the Super Bowl, it yes. would most certainly be a San Francisco rematch, of course. I think course. that Dallas is very dangerous. They scored the most points of any team in the NFL. Dak is is very, very good. Um, they've got a lot of fun talent, and they're the type of team that if anyone is going to dethrone who I think the kind of the pole position teams are in the NFC with the Packers and Bucks, I think the Cowboys the horses to be able to pull it off. Um I don't really anticipate them struggling very much with San Francisco down in Dallas. I think that's the type of game that, um, you know, Dallas, I say that, but boy, their, their playoff history is really well documented lately. Of it's dicey. It's dicey. Very, very poor, very poor. And if San Francisco has gotten hot and if they decide that they want to continue to play good football and they come into Dallas, they most certainly could beat them. Um, I definitely feel like this is, a game that I'll be checking, but not watching super close. Like I'll have it on, but it won't be like the first game with Eagles bucks where I'm literally going to be like actively watching it. Um, I'll be interested to see who comes out of it, but I think interested as far as it goes. Yeah. I'm going to be interested in it just as a fan. Cause like I said, I do like these teams. They have fun players and, and I, I was going to say fun coaches, but really I was just talking about Kyle Shanahan. <laughs> yeah, not, Mike McCarthy sucks. Not talking about Mike McCarthy, but you know, I'm curious. This might be one where I, I kind of, you know, I, I watched the first, uh, the first half. I'm pretty into it. I get up, you know, it's halftime. It's going to be late afternoon. I'm making myself a snack or something like that. I'm not really watching the third quarter. And then I come back in the fourth quarter to see to, to blow the game and cost the Cowboys a win and get them bounced in the first round again and add to their miserable playoff history since they won the Super Bowl in like 1996 or 1995, whenever it was the last time. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, that could be something that I could tune into and that I could get into. Um, but, you know, there's some fun players in this game. Debo Samuel, Michael Parsons, George Kittle, mm-hmm. um, you know, obviously all the playmakers for the Cowboys, Mari Cooper Dak. and um, CeeDee Lamb and Dak and Zeke and Tony Pollard and all those guys. Trey like, Lance going to get in? Uh, it just doesn't seem like it. You know, I, I am a proud Trey Lance dynasty owner. Um, but, no, I don't think he's hurt. And I think for some reason like, he must suck. Like – Either he sucks or Kyle Shanahan sucks at evaluating talent because like Jimmy Garoppolo is not good. And he, he almost cost them the game against the Rams that they needed to win to get into the playoffs. He's cost them several games down the stretch. I mean, he's, he's preposterously bad. And uh, Trey Lance, he can't, he can't get off the bench. I don't know what's going on, man. I don't, I don't get it, but I'm really hoping that they're going to show Jimmy the door in the off season. So the trailings can anchor my dynasty team next year. That's going to be fun. So on Monday night, the very first ever Monday night football, super wild card weekend playoff game, really fun one Cardinals versus Rams and NFC West matchup. Your Cardinals made yeah. the playoffs. We're going to have to do my a, Cardinals. you know, a recap show where we kind of go back over our predictions. Uh, there weren't um, too many other good ones. We might. Oh, well, do that. Okay. Well, you can, <laughs> you can flex on that one. Yeah. Um, because you did predict the Cardinals to make the playoffs. And I think I predicted them to finish last in that division. That yep. is an honor that was taken by the Seahawks, of course. Um, this is a fun one. I mean, it's a 12 and five Rams team against an 11, six Cardinals team, but boy, uh, the Cardinals do not look good right now at all. No. And they I'm worried what, that this could be disgusting. Weren't they eight? No, they were one, two, three, four, five. They were seven and up and looked like one of the best teams in the NFL and were completely cooking. And then they have lost four out of their last five games with only a win against the Cowboys in that time. Um, you know, they are definitely the Cardinals. That is a lot 
more underrated on defense than I think a lot of people give them credit for. They very clearly have Kyler and and some fun pieces on offense, but with DeAndre Hopkins hurt, they're certainly not lighting it up on offense the way that I think a lot of people expected them to. And then, but the defensive side of the ball, Chandler Jones and those dudes really get after. I think this is going to be the type of game that the Rams, I almost feel like they have so much pressure on them to make a deep run in the playoffs, if not win a Super Bowl, because of the moves they made during sure. the season, because of all their all-in stuff that they've constantly done over the last few years, and and OBJ and Von Miller and all that stuff. Like the Rams have so much pressure to cash that in. That and it's being played in their home stadium this year, and, it's, and the Super Bowl is in SoFi. That's definitely a, a factor there. And um, you know, Stafford is kind of kind of faded down the stretch he had a really really strong start to the year and kind of looks a lot more like detroit's stafford over the last uh five or six games and is throwing a lot of picks and i just feel like this is this is a game that if anyone in the nfl for the first weekend has too much pressure on them it's the rams and i think it's going to bite them and i think the cardinals are going to win this it's an interesting prediction. I don't know who I think is going to win. I think this is going to be a really fun game in that, you know, I think both of these teams are capable of anything. Um, division rivals, which is always kind of interesting, you know, obviously getting a third matchup between these two teams. And I don't know. I, I don't know who's going to win. I think it probably does come down to the fourth quarter. I think it'll be a close game. If you had to pick a team from this uh, game to advance – and play the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, who are you picking as your ideal opponent? Great question. Um, I think that they the Chiefs would match up better with the current version of the Cardinals, who are banged up. And, I agree. And even though um, a Rams matchup would be a shitload of fun, and it would be, would be all that everyone would talk about for two weeks. Sure. And it's in SoFi, so the Chiefs would be playing the second consecutive Super Road Bowl Super against... Bowl against the home team right exactly there there are certainly um a lot more stories with chiefs versus rams but i think my preferred matchup if i want the chiefs to win the super bowl which i don't know spoiler alert i do uh it would be the cardinals there i think that they're i think the chiefs could handle them a lot better yeah i agree with that i would pick the cardinals out of that as well you you got a you got a kingsbury bowl you know storyline there. yeah pat versus cliff that's right Pat versus cliff that would be that would be fun Well, it's going to be a great weekend. I can't wait to watch the games with you, buddy, and talk about them next week. You know what they say about Super Wild Card Weekend? It is capable of anything. 